a podcast featuring ordinary men of extraordinary faith. This is Mana. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Mana podcast featuring ordinary men of extraordinary faith. I'm your host, Jeff Peterson. Now, none of the guys that you're going to meet on this podcast would consider themselves extraordinary, but it's their humble, holy way of living that is exactly what makes them extra to me, and I'm excited for you to meet them. That's a lot of pressure. (laughs) Now, I would contend that every guy has a friend in their lives uh, like today's guest, and if you don't, then uh, you need to find one quick. Someone who uh, shoots it to you straight, no matter what, uh, always tells the truth and always keeps you in check, even when it would be easier to avoid it. Someone who has your back and has it in a way that lets everybody know that if, uh, that if they mess with you, then they're going to have to deal with him. Uh, and so, uh, uh, and, and since this is a podcast about faith, I, it, I, can, I think it's appropriate to compare this next guest, at least uh, to me. Uh, he's like the archangel Michael. And for those that aren't familiar with that story, Michael was the angel that, that basically beat up Satan. Okay. It's in the book of Revelation. And so basically he's kind of, a, you know, Michael was a, a bit of a badass as far as angels went, but for the best reasons, um, just like our guests, the reasons of family, of which today's guest has literally, literally spent his entire life preserving in the face of a lot of adversity and, uh, and then now promoting forward with two very impressive grown kids of his own. Reasons of friendships, which is evidenced uh, by the myriad guys uh, who would have this guest's back if anyone was dumb enough to mess with him. Uh, reasons of country, which is a first for us here on MANA. We haven't had a, we haven't had a veteran on the, on the show. So reasons of country, which he served uh, understatedly, but very admirably. And... Um, and then finally, while it's not something that he wears on his sleeve, uh, reasons of faith, which uh, I think probably underlies it all and gives me a chance to share my personal archangel with all of you today. Uh, today's man up man, Mr. Chris Curtis. Hey, Chris. Wow, that was overwhelming. I'm, I'm, I'm never doing this again. <laughs> I don't think I could top that. Wow. Thank you. That was very kind of you. It is great. Uh, it is great to have you here, and I'm really excited for people to hear uh, a bit of your story. So, uh, so getting into it now, uh, we don't. Uh, so Chris and I, um, for everybody uh, that you know, we don't get a, a chance to spend a lot of time together, together like geographically together. We're just separated by states, and um, and um, so, but uh, but um, so a lot of people don't see us like in proximity to each other, and so for those that don't know Chris or don't know me. Uh, if you saw us uh, chumming it up at a bar, uh, you probably wouldn't think we were friends. <laughs> uh, you probably wouldn't. Uh, you'd, you'd probably think uh, I was like your hairstylist that was coming after my tip that you that you that you uh, jilted me on. Uh, exactly. So, for example, and I'm just looking down here. Like only one of us is wearing madras shorts here today. So, and I'll let you guys figure out who that is. But uh, but let's start there because you know you you are a um, and I think this is for a lot of guys. What I, what I love about you is, is I'm, I'm saying these words, but I think there's probably 50 guys who would say the same thing. You, you are, you're a genuine friend, but you're like a big brother friend. You know what I mean? You're like this kind of bodyguard, bouncer, 
you got this guardian angel kind of vibe to you. And I'm just wondering, because I wanted to kind of start there, like where does that come from? Has that, has that always been kind of your thing if you think back to childhood, whether it was you know, with your own family or friends? I mean, where, where, where is that? How far back does that go? Um, I don't know. I've never, I've never thought about how far back it goes. I'm aware of it. Um, I think at this point in life, I think I realize that I, I, need, I need to be needed. I need people. I, I need to be able to, you know, I, that that there's selfishness in that. In that, I I need people to count on me. That's important to me. Mm-hmm. And um, but you know, I'm, no one's ever asked me that far back as I go. And I, I guess I just immediately, I do immediately think of times even on the playground in elementary school where maybe I took up for somebody or yeah. I, I just uh, there's all kinds of things. Um, I remember in college we had a player that was abusing a manager, and I dealt with that and I don't know I I don't know I honestly don't know exactly where it comes from in my in my foster family I I was a foster I was a foster kid also and uh, I definitely uh, I definitely took care of my brother uh, in a lot of situations Uh, but I've just always been you know I because of the way because of things that happened to me when I was young I've been growing up my whole life yeah and I think uh, I can even think of a time one time when we were kids in high school and we went to the movies in Springfield and that's back then that was a little bit of a drive it's connected now and then we came out of the movie and there must have been a foot of snow on the ground and we all got excited and thought well let's get in a hotel room you know we were all probably juniors or seniors in high school and uh, and uh, we thought it'd be cool to you know well we'll just get a hotel room everybody needs to call their parents and let them know and one by one the other boys would say my mom or dad wants to talk to you and it would be like what do they want talk to you talk to you as as the the friend like just i was the same age as everybody else and i just remember they would say now you're going to be there (laughs) yes ma'am yeah yeah i'll be there the whole you're going to be there the whole time you're going to stay with them yeah yes ma'am well i guess it's okay then it's like well wait a minute i mean do they you know do they think i'm like they're i didn't you know it was like we were the same age why why are they treating me different i think and i just think it was because i've been grown up my you know my whole life, basically, yeah. and, you know, a little, a little extra maturity and that kind of thing. So not necessarily something that you you maybe would have chosen, but just out That's, of circumstance. It just... it's, it's definitely not something that I intentionally do. In fact, there's been times when it had been easier not to, but it, it's just one of those things. It's, uh, it's like somebody complimented me a few years ago for one of the youth programs I'd put together, and I just... Yeah, it's just one of those deals. I don't. Have, I don't feel like I have a choice. Yeah, yeah. Has it been so? So you mentioned childhood and kind of those circumstances. I mean, then you know you emerge from that. You're in college, and then but you still it's still there. You know, and so is, do you do you attribute it just to kind of the years of of it's almost like conditioning. You know, I mean, just 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 <clears throat> kind of turned you into who you are, or, or is it something that that as you and not to get too deep too too soon that as you look at you know, everyone plays roles, everyone's got gifts, everyone's got, you know, and, and, and now as an adult, you know, you mentioned the work that you do with, with, with younger, you know, you know, people. And is it something that you feel like, okay, you know, I'm, however, however I started down this, you know, kind of path, like this is kind of what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. I just don't feel like I have a choice. Yeah. You know, it's just when there's a situation and, and I, you know, I see something that I could do and it would be better and, it would help. I mean, most of the time, I, and especially if it's something that 
you know, affects me personally or my family. Yeah. I just don't, it doesn't seem like I have a choice. Yeah. Yeah. What, what, so we talked about childhood and, and, and you don't need to get into, you know, all of it, but what, what was, um, what was the role that, you know, that when you think back to like church, you know, and maybe, maybe it wasn't a role, but I mean, the, the, the role that you are playing now and the role that you played back then is, you know, whether, whether you identified it as this sort of like guardian angel kind of thing or not. I mean, it very much is. And, and was there, what role did, did church play back then? Well, yeah, it's so, um, my parents got divorced when I was very young and then I had a brother that, uh, was in an accident. So it was mainly, and it, he wasn't killed, but he was permanently uh, mentally and physically disabled. So it was just my mom and I, and my mom, uh, my mom, you know, took me to church, uh, pretty, pretty consistently. I probably missed a Sunday every now and then, but I grew up in church. But the one thing that, that things kept happening in my life that made me question God, you know, and, uh, bad things, uh, the, the, my brother's accident, my, um, my mother eventually committed suicide, my, my father's problems. Um, and, you know, at, at those young ages and you go to church and, and the thing that was always a problem for me was I kept hearing how God had a plan mm-hmm. and I would sit there as a, as a young person and think, well, it's not a very good one. You know, was, uh, God's plan was to run over my seven year old brother with a car and you know, on a highway and, you know, and me have to crawl under the, you know, that just, you know, God's plan was in. And so like all young people, I questioned, constantly yeah. questioning my faith, and yeah. constantly questioning the existence of God. And then um, when I was in college, um, my uh, I played uh, college football in Bolivar, Missouri at Southwest Baptist University and and uh, was in the cafeteria late uh, one evening after practice. It was just my roommate and I were the only ones left in there. And uh, a coach came in and, and I could tell something was wrong. And he said, you know, Chris, we got a call from Springfield, your dad's in the hospital and they say you need to get there and so anyway rushed in i was uh, i was i was uh, uh i wasn't close with my father at that time because of his alcoholism and um and probably hadn't talked to him in quite a while and uh, but when you talk about like the, the the taking charge or that kind of thing um my uh, my position coach uh went with me to the hospital and uh, i've heard him talk about it years later is that i walked into that waiting room and and uh all of my father's side of the family were there and and uh and immediately uh he said immediately i was in charge i mean it was just immediately and they were all older than me all my aunts and uncles and immediately you know there was a oh it's a relief chris is here and then and long story short my dad ended up having five brain surgeries uh, he had driven off a cliff in arkansas weeks earlier and uh, they didn't know it but he had a bleeder in his head uh, because he but he was such an he was such an alcoholic that it wouldn't clot, that it was white blood cells wouldn't clot. So every time the neurosurgeon would come out and talk to me, it was like, well, he's not going to make it. He's going to be gone. And then he'd come out. And So anyway, five brains. But the point of the story is um, one day, and we were in the hospital for the longest time, and I would I would sleep in the waiting room uh, at night, and then I'd go to football practice during the day, and back and forth and that kind of thing. And, and I found myself at one point uh, – as I had so many times, as we all have so many times in our lives, I found myself on a particularly bad day 
when, when, you know, in intensive care, when it didn't seem like he was going to survive, I found myself uh, making a deal with God. You know, mm. I found myself doing that. Well, if you'll, you know, God, if you'll just, if you'll just let him live, then I'll, I'll do the, if you'll give me X, I'll give you Y. Yeah. And right then and there on that spot, I realized, you know, cause it wasn't the first time and <laughs> my, uh, we could, we could do a movie on my dad had nine lives. I mean, he was just <laughs> unbelievable. I mean, how many, how many times in the hospital, how many times blown up, cut up, beat up, burned up, whatever it was. And so I'd, I'd had this conversation with God way too many times. And that day, I, I still remember it like yesterday. I realized that if, I was going to ask God for these special favors uh, in times of desperate need, then the least I could do was quit doubting. Yeah. Uh, doubting his existence or questioning my faith. Yeah. And and so that I guess that's what faith is. And from that day on I've never I've never looked back. Wow. That's powerful. Just didn't seem fair. Yeah, right. So how does how does that um, gosh darn that's that's a, that's amazing how does that you know going through and I mean that's that's a, that's an ex- extraordinary you know type of experience but as you you know you do spend so much time with not only your own kids but and your family you know but but then you know whether it's players that you've mentored you know just just students I mean how how has that sort of like you know and and we're all still dealing with various forms of adversity but but kind of getting almost through that episode that you just described and kind of coming to that realization i mean how does that ever um manifest itself in how you help others just deal with adversity i mean and whether whether or not they're literally saying you know i don't think there's a god or god how could you do this to me i mean does that does coming through that yourself, has that helped you get others through their versions of that? I mean, not as extreme as what you've probably gone through, but, but, but is that, I think more than anything is the empathy. Yeah. Is, and, and, and when a young person, and in my case, it's going to be a young man because that's, you know, 99% of my dealings with players and such is when it, when a young person, is going through a tragedy like that. They don't need somebody to have all the answers. Mm-hmm. They don't need somebody um, to tell them, you know, there's a plan or that kind of thing. They they just need somebody that they know they can count on. Yeah. They they need they they need somebody that they know is there. They need somebody that knows cares, and they need somebody that they know will listen if they need to talk. And uh, just being present, and not uh, not trying to have all the answers, I think is yeah. is pretty valuable. I, I don't think I haven't had to do that a whole lot with tragedy, but there's definitely been some. And then and then they're just their day to day lives sometimes are a tragedy. <laughs> well, it does seem so dismissive at times when, and obviously there is, you know, for people of faith, you know, we do believe that there's a reason for everything. But sometimes in those moments when you either, you know, you're either tempted to say it or when somebody best intentioned but says it, it almost, it almost like, almost trivializes it in a way for me sometimes. Where it's like, well, there's a plan. It's like, okay, 
yeah, I know there's a plan, but I, that's not what I need to hear right now. You know what I mean? Like you just kind of need to, to just feel kind of understood, you know, yeah. something like that. So. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. And I don't know that I believe, you know, I, I've, I've, uh, you know, I've told him before, uh, this is, you know, I'm, I think the plan is God puts you down here yeah. and, and says, Hey, you, you do the best you can. Okay. <laughs> and, yeah, you know, you need something. You let me know because it's like I think it's a Garth Brooks song. God answers all prayers. Sometimes He says no. Right. And, yeah. Uh, that's right. And I just had this conversation with a young man just the other day that you know he was waiting on a, a baseball offer and he had a conversation with the coach and it wasn't quite what he wanted. And I told him I said you know these kind of things are never quite what you want. And I said you just need to be patient and you just need to keep being a good person yeah. because being a good person and, and being a person of character, more good things will happen to you than bad things. And it'll all work out in the end. Yeah. You know, for those that are listening and, and maybe aren't Garth Brooks fans or country uh, music fans. So the, the song is called unanswered prayers and it's one of the most beautiful songs ever. And it's so wise. And uh, that's so true. You get, sometimes you have to thank God for those unanswered prayers. Um, I want to, I want to, um, this is going to seem like a little bit of a pivot, but I don't want to lose um, the opportunity because uh, as I mentioned in the intro, you are the first veteran that we've had on, on MANA. And, and I'd love to, to, to just hear um, how that experience um, and, uh, you know, uh, there's another adage, I butcher all these adages, but there's something about like, you know, um, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of atheists. No, you don't see many atheists in foxholes. I think that's what yeah, it is. It's something yeah. like that. It's pretty. It's pretty close. Yeah. So, so did did what was that experience like? Did like was 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 and it was probably varied, from, you know, guy to guy or whatever. But was what was faith like in 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 the mail? I mean, you were a marine, and um, you know, either for you personally, you know, what kind of a period in life uh, was that for you in terms of your faith, or how did you see faith? sort of manifesting around you in in the service specifically yeah that's that's a really difficult question because you know everybody's young and um and everybody's uh uh gonna live forever and um yeah. you know and they're all tough and um so there there is the religions there is god's there the fear is there uh you know especially when you're in a in a combat situation or um you know, like in, I was in the Gulf War, and I know you know everybody was scared to death. But nobody, it, it's okay to joke. Like I, it's okay to joke about being scared. It's okay to make fun of it. But somebody about being scared, it's never okay to admit that mm-hmm. you're scared. Mm-hmm. And so that was at such a young age that I, I don't really have a lot of recollections of a lot of the religious part of it, other than a lot of prayer at times when uh, you know you thought you were at risk yeah. and that kind of thing. And then. You know, and and, and the, the military is different, uh, you know, religion-wise. But uh, I don't know what I mean by that. It's not different. It's just uh, you have different relationships with the with the, the pastors and the fathers and yeah. those kind of things. But. All right. Well, hey, we are now to the fun segment uh, of the of the sh- of the program here of the show, if you will. So these are the same three questions that we ask every guest on Mana. And um, and so, as, as those that that tune in know by now, uh, our guests are made aware of these in advance. And Chris was was generous enough to let me know that he he uh, he forgot what they were. <laughs> so so this will be the first uh, time that we're gonna go a little improv here. So we'll see how this goes. So the so there's only three, and uh, and uh, 
I think you're going to do just fine. So the first question is, uh, if Jesus, okay, knocked on your door tomorrow, and uh, which uh, you know, just regular old day, and just wanted to hang out, just spend the day, okay, what would you do with him? <clears throat> well, I mean, he's Jesus, for goodness sakes. I don't want to do something he doesn't want to do. You know, I don't want to pick something. I don't want to pick something that's going to reflect bad on me. I mean, so I'm probably going to start off by asking him, asking him what he'd like to do today. And if it's, uh, you know, if it's, if it's make yogurt and, and paint daisies, that's what we're doing. Uh, but uh, I guess, you know, if, if I had to go to my God place, it would be uh, I like to canoe in the summertime in the Ozarks, and so we'd go find. We'd go find one of those mountain streams. It's lime, you know, limestone based. You can see the see the bottom through the water and spend a spend a day in a, in a couple of canoes. That's cool. That's very cool. Um, that's great. We had a we had a um, we had a little over the the summer months in between seasons one and two. We had a little mini manna uh, jaunt and where I was interviewing. Younger men um, about things like that. Thank you. And, younger uh, men, thank exactly, you. younger men than you, much younger. And uh, <laughs> when you when you talk about canoeing, uh, as uh, Thomas Walker is who I was interviewing, he said, "Well, I'd take him out to Lake Minnetonka, which is this big lake in, in Minnesota." And I'm thinking, "Oh, okay, cool." And you know, he's going to fish or whatever. <laughs> and Thomas goes, "So I take him out to Lake Minnetonka, and uh, you know, I'd ask him to walk on water." I'm like, "Oh, nice." So uh, yeah, like, no like, pressure. No pressure. All right, a question. Uh, fun segment. Question number two. Uh, if you could go to church with any other guy, living or dead, um, and you don't even have to know him, so it could be it could it could be some famous living or dead person. But any uh, go to church with any other guy, living or dead, who would it be? Well, it'd either be uh, Theodore Roosevelt, just because that'd be an, an excuse to meet him, and and uh, I'd, it'd be fun to. Watch him try and sit through a church service. <laughs> very energetic, nervous guy. Or you know, probably John Wayne. I'm a huge John Wayne fan, and I think that's, I think that's part of, uh, that's probably part of the answer to some of your earlier questions that I really, I don't say very much because I think it sounds a little corny. But you know, I, uh, growing up on your own and uh, being on your own most of the time, those old movies, those old John Wayne movies. Yeah. And I'm not the only one. There's books about it out, John. Generation, but you talk about um, you know taking care of people and doing what's right and that kind of thing. It's funny my my dad and his uh, my dad went to prison at one point and when I, and when he got out, I brought him to live with me and he lived above my office. And as he got older and he had some health issues, and I would go check on him. And uh, I can remember one weekend and I've I ranch a little bit. I've got cattle and things like that. And so I had been working cattle and working outside and. And I went up to check on him, and, and he was hard of hearing. So uh, I would enter his apartment, and then he would always be sitting in a recliner watching watching TV. And uh, so I would kind of make sure I got off to the corner of his eye to where he could see me because I didn't want to I didn't want to scare him and shock him. And I stood there for a long time watching him, and he was watching a, a John Wayne movie, Sons of Katie Elder. And I stood there for a long time, and he finally noticed me, and he, he looked back at me, and then looked at the TV and he looked back at me again. He goes, well, I finally understand. And I said, I understand what? He goes, that's who you are, isn't it? That's cool. And I said, who's that? And he goes, you're John Wayne. And I said, and I, you know, and that's the first time that anybody ever, and I said, and what he meant was, is you, you know, you take care of everybody. Yeah. And uh, so 
I guess if I got to pick anybody, it'd probably be the Duke. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, I don't know anything about John Wayne personal biography stuff, but I would guess that uh, just from his essence, he was uh, probably had some cool thoughts on God and faith, and yeah. probably pretty simple, you yeah, know. But very but simple. but uh, but didn't, you know, didn't leave a per- didn't lead a perfect life, made mistakes, but yeah. seems to me from everything I've read, he was a really good man. Yeah, that's cool. All right, last question, and and this is one that uh, you can probably you can either draw on like literal experiences just with the role that you've played with so many young men. But um, last question is if you could give a piece of advice to a younger man, um, just but but kind of specifically because obviously you've given a lot of advice over the years, but specifically about you know you know the whole point of this show is about kind of being comfortable, you know, living in faith without having to feel like you have to memorizing scripture and you know quoting you know bible verses and and evangelizing you know too hardcore but if you could give a younger man just some advice about how to live comfortably in faith what would it be i think it's you know how do you tell somebody because they've got peer pressure and they don't you know and they um yeah your automatic thoughts about somebody young man had, had had strong faith and you know what if he's hanging out with people that don't and therefore he feels like he kind of needs to hide it or mm-hmm. you know that kind of thing well you're hanging out with the wrong people um, and that's a big deal I mean you know, you, you I tell uh, I tell young parents this all the time um, about when, when they've got you know, if, if they're interested in listening if, they, if I'm asked my opinion or my advice well, I tell them I said Kids become what they see every day, mm-hmm. and they see you more than anything else. Yeah. So, you know, you've got to do the right things, and it's the same thing with young people and, and who they're hanging out with. And, and to say it not as nicely, to I've told my son and, and his friends on and off, it's like you know, if you, you hang out with turds, <laughs> doesn't matter how good a kid you are, <laughs> you eventually become a turd. <laughs> and so, if you have something that you believe in and that, and that you feel that strongly in and the people that you consider your friends belittle you for that, then you really, really need to consider finding some different friends because this is the other thing I tell everybody. Everybody thinks that they've got, you know, a lot of, not everybody, a lot of people think, oh, I've just got so many friends. Oh, I've just got, I've got thousands of friends. I've got hundreds of friends. No, you don't. You you don't. Everybody has Probably no more than five people if they're lucky. If you've got more than that, you're really lucky. But five people that you really, really can call a friend and that you can count on. And, you know, that you could call at three in the morning and and say, I can't tell you what's going on. I'm in trouble. I need your help. And I can't explain it. I just need you to get up and get in the car. How many of your friends would just go, okay, I'm going. Where am I going? Or how many would go, what's going on? Or what? Well, it's three in the, you know. So, you know. If if that's happening to a young person, you really need to strongly consider who you're hanging out with, and why. Um, because if they're belittling you for the way you feel or what you believe in, you know, you'd probably be better off without them and finding them finding a new group of friends. Yeah, I think that's great advice. Well, my archangel, uh, Michael. Everyone's John Wayne. 
Chris Curtis, thank you. Thank you for being here. Yeah, I enjoyed it, man. Thanks a lot, and I appreciate you. You do a great job, and I really appreciate your friendship. Well, thank you. You're one of my five. Thank you for listening to MANA. If you have any questions or recommendations for future guests, send them to manapodcast at gmail.com.